time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 32 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. What kind of coffee are we brewing today? Cold brew. Cold brew, yes, in our glasses because it is hot outside. So if you're a fan of delicious coffee and scrumptious pastries and all kinds of lunch items and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Hey, lady. Hey. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. It has been a little crazy around here. How was your holiday? How was your fourth? It was okay. Quiet. I'm not a fan of fireworks. I know. I know. Because they freak the animals out. Yeah, the the sheep don't like them at all. I sometimes think the chickens don't like them, but at least they're in a coop. Right. And able to, uh, you know. The sheep really don't like them, and I can't explain that. So I usually spend a couple of very frustrating hours, and then it's over. And Do you stay outside with them? Often, yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes when I put the chickens away, I'm like, okay. They're away at least in a coop. So, you know, hopefully they're understanding, which you really can't tell a chicken. Look, it's just a firework. The sheep girls really don't like them. I just try to stay there and reassure them that it's okay. That's about all I can do. You know, the animal I feel bad for are the deer. That's true. I mean, they've got to be freaking out over fireworks. But hey, it was a great 4th of July. Otherwise, and it's over now. Yeah. And we are moving on to coops. Coops. So I had some exciting news. Friends of ours who actually long, long time ago got chickens before us Mm -hmm. and they built a really awesome coop. They're giving us their coop. So Joe does not have to build a coop. Fantastic. So just a few enhancements. Just some enhancements to make it our own. Nice. And then we should have the babies out there as soon as we can get that done and in there. So that was some exciting news. Yeah, that's really great. I'm actually building another coop or two. Yes. Because I have a pair of Nankin Bantams. They're juveniles. And not only do I have George and Martha, but the really excellent breeder, Lisa, that we got them from had some hatching eggs too. So now George and Martha have some friends friends in the incubator. And this is what I say. As soon as you hold that chick, it's not going anywhere from your house. There are a couple of people that I would sell or gift chickens to. I hope that I am one of them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> a couple of other places that, that could end up with my nankins. Yeah. But you know, for me, it would have to be a girl. Oh, no, you're only getting the roosters. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're getting nothing but roosters, man. That's all. No. <laughs> that can't be. I'm going to bring be. you over like three roosters. They're going to be like, <laughs> no, no, no. It just can't be. Oh, man. So, yeah, we're all busy doing all the chicken coop stuff yep. and just getting through the summer. You know what? I love summer. It is hot. And I don't want to complain about it because we're going to be complaining about winter in a few months. I'm already talking about fall, as I do. <laughs> okay. So, if you would like to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do it. Yes. Number one, if you're really loving our podcast and you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, even if you don't listen to it on Apple Podcasts, You can leave us a written review. Written reviews really help to grow the podcast. If you've already left us a review, thank you so much. They're fantastic. We love reading them. I read them over and over again. Love them. The second way you can support the podcast is to go over to patreon.com. 
We have a Patreon page where we have three levels of support for the podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. You can either donate $1 a month to help support the podcast, $3 a month to get an extra episode every month. And these episodes are different than ones that we do all the time. Our bonus episodes are a lot of fun. Yeah, They're lots of fun. And the third is that you get the bonus episodes if you pay $5 and you get a monthly happy hour chicken call via Zoom with us. Yeah, that's always lots of fun. We have so much fun. Thank you so much for your support. I think we're ready to move on to Breed Spotlight. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this week we are doing the Belgian Duclat. And I pronounce it Duclat. Yes, you do. But hey, it's okay. We all say it a little different. So the Belgian Duclat is an absolutely charming bantam breed. It is. And I think this is the first bantam breed we've profiled. I think it is. Yeah. If you are a member of Patreon, you would know that we've done some Patreon episodes on bantams over there. We did. It was sort of an overview. We're going to dive deeply with this one. And our upcoming guest actually has a bearded Duclat. This cute little chicken, sometimes you hear it called the Belgian bearded Duclat, or sometimes you hear it called the Barbu Duclat. Okay. Barbu just means beard. Okay. Now, this is not the same as the booted bantam, which is an English breed. Yeah, because one's Belgian and one's British. Exactly. So they look really similar. They both have the feathered legs and feet, but the booted bantams do not have beards and muffs. Okay. And the Duclat has the beard and muffs. Yes. Which... Hey, those on any chicken give it a cuteness factor that's so high. Right, automatically super You're cute. You're like, yeah, yeah. I definitely want the one with the beard and muffs. And they're, they're really just the cutest chickens. So the Ducla is a true bantam breed. There's no large breed counterpart. Right. And the roosters have the most ridiculous high crow that makes me laugh every time I hear well, it. Well, they're tiny, so they gotta they reach in and get as much as they can out. Oh, it's so funny. I, mean, I love it. That's a little tiny body. They're like, I can't get it out. Just hearing my little George cry was hilarious. So the Ducla was developed in the town of Ucla, which is just outside of Brussels, Belgium. Joe's been to Brussels. Oh, really? Yes, he loved Ucla. We have to ask him this question. Okay. Because he's definitely been to Brussels and he loved it. Neat. So he has to take me back. Yeah, that'd be cool. So the breed was developed around 1900. It was developed by a man named Michael Van Gelder, who was a wealthy businessman. Okay. He gets the credit for developing the breed. Most likely using Dutch booted and bearded bantams. So he was not a monk. No. <laughs> I'm surprised. He was a wealthy businessman, not a monk. <laughs> that is shocking to me. There's a little mystery around exactly what the foundation breeds are. Obviously, it was other bantam breeds. Yeah, because it's it's a true bantam. There's It's not from a bigger chicken. So. Exactly. The Ducla was accepted in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1914. Okay. And they also appear in the American Bantam Association Standard. And they're popular in shows. Yes, they are. I mean, I think Bantam should have their own chicken shows. Who wouldn't have their own? Well, they do. If they if you show them with the American Bantam Association, it is Bantams only. Can you imagine walking into this chicken yes, show? Yes, I can. And all these tiny, like, one to two pound chickens. Yes, yes. I love <laughs> the it. The cuteness factor would be through the roof. It really would. We would not leave without chickens. Oh, my God. The little ones are so cute. You know you're going to end up with some nankins. I do want Bantams of some sort. I know. So I can hook you up. <laughs> yeah, I know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> the Duclas are small birds, obviously. Obviously. Bearded, muffed, feathered legs and feet. And they have what are called vulture hawks that you see on certain breeds, usually older breeds. Vulture hawks? These are large, stiff feathers that come out from the thigh area. 
Oh. And it, it adds to the overall feathery leg look. It adds to the, like, I'm small but mighty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Sultan is another one. And they're a standard breed. The Sultan is another breed that I has mean, the vulture I mean, when you're house. that little, you got to have something for defense. <laughs> so they have small straight combs. They have small waddles. The females have virtually no waddle. So tiny. Nice. You don't have to worry about frostbite. Exactly. Which would be yeah. good. So you would say that they're a really cold, hardy chicken, except they're tiny. That's what I was going to say. If they're a small chicken, that's going to be hard for their little body to keep warm because they're not going to have the big feather load. I mean, they'll have feathers, but I and mean. So in a, in a mid-Atlantic winter, the bantams will be fine most of the time. But what will I have in my coop? Cozy heater. That's right. To make sure they can get through. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to make some provisions. The that's females for sure. weigh like 22 ounces and the cockerels are like 26 ounces. I mean, they're tiny chickens. They are tiny considering 16 ounces is a pound. Right. So they're under two pounds. They're under two pounds, yeah. The Dukla are known as very friendly, gentle chickens. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be bright, alert, and really just a pleasure to have around. And for a cuteness factor, everyone should have a bantam around. These chickens are ridiculous. They just are. I okay, love them so much. Okay, here's the other thing. If you have bantam breeds, you could have double the amount of chickens. Exactly. I mean, they're, instead of six pounds, they're one to two pounds. Right. Beyond cute. I mean, I keep saying cute, but how can you not say cute when you talk about bantams? They're adorable. So the little duclays come in several different colors. Yeah. Um, the mealy floor is the most popular. I love that Yes. One. It's a general favorite. Yes. Then there's a pure white. There's a black. There's a mottled. There's Which would one, be my favorite. Mine too. They're so cute. There's also a golden neck and a self blue. Okay. Does the golden neck actually have a gold neck? Yeah, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the self blue, obviously, it's a blue ducla. These are all the APA recognized colors. There are actually some others floating around. So the ducla lay small cream colored eggs. Nice. Probably around 100 a year, so maybe two plus per week during the laying season. It's not great. It's not tons, no. I mean, I think that you, like we said, they're really popular showbirds. I think you keep this chicken for the cuteness factor and the companionship. Exactly. I think eggs are just extra, and this chicken is definitely like a companion chicken. And if you don't need a ton of eggs. If you just I mean, have an extra few yeah. kind of there, you I know. Because I don't think any of us are really hurting for eggs. No, no, we're not. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think this would make a great addition to anybody's flock, but I think you have to be careful when you have bantams and you add them into a flock of larger chickens. My bantams are not even going in with my large family. Yeah, I mean... I don't think it's worth the risk. That's I, just my opinion. If I got bantams, they would have to go in with my little girl flock, uh -huh. but that flock is so laid back. Right, very gentle. That I don't think there would be a problem. Would I ever put a bantam in with the big girls? Heck no. Yeah, that coop is a free-for-all. I, <laughs> really I wouldn't put a bantam in there either. Never, ever. A lot of the true bantams, and the Duclay are no exception, they do go broody and they do make very good mothers. Obviously, they're not going to be sitting on, you know, 10 Orpington eggs. <laughs> that would be not good. <laughs> no. If you had three little broody bantam girls, you could, you know, hatch five, six eggs at least. Yeah. They are a great addition. Like you're doing, you're making your own broody run. Yes. And coop. Yes. And then we're making another run for grow outs. Yeah. So you're definitely doing it the right way. I'm trying to go into this with my eyes open. One, I'm doing hobby breeding to help conserve a very rare breed that right. I've been fascinated with for a long time. And that's very important to me. But I also am realistic. I don't have the space, time, or the desire to put 100 birds on the ground every spring. 
No. So this is just very, very selective hobby breeding for minor conservation work. Right. That's where a bird like the Ducla is fantastic. It is not a rare breed, so you really don't have to worry about scarcity issues. If right. you did want to breed them yourself for a hobby, you won't have to worry about genetic bottlenecks and overbreeding. Right. You know, there are tons of them out there. Oh, yeah. Overall, we love these little chickens. Yeah, they would make great backyard companions. Probably great I would for call kids. them more backyard companions. Absolutely. And great for kids, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's that time of the week again. We're going to go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah. Yeah. I can't help but take part in the yeah. But that's why you should. It's coffee with you. (laughs) Part of the fun. That's part of the fun. Yeah. So this week's Birdie Report is talking about confidence. And my confidence as well as chick's confidence. Yes. I mentioned last week that the first seven days, I am so anxious watching these chicks because I'm waiting for everything to go wrong. Just in case. We never had a problem with hens chasing chicks, but I'm waiting for it. So I'm always vigilant for that. I'm also worried about are they going to get themselves caught under somewhere or locked into somewhere or being somewhere that they're not supposed to be. So right. I'm always looking for and listening for chicks mm-hmm. doing that high-pitched cheap, cheap, cheap noise. So the first seven days are really horrendous for me, but we're now beyond that. We're at the 10 to 14 days point at the moment, and they've become so much more confident. Now, this is a whole other ball game now because they're at this point where for the first few days, they've got to be with brood hen. Right. They're like little satellites around Earth. They're now big planets around the sun. Yes. <laughs> and they're roaming. I was going to say, are all the chicks from the different broods mixing up together now? Like, hey, are you in my kindergarten class? <laughs> you know, it's quite funny because Cinnamon is three years old and Frankie is two years old. Their chicks are intermingling. And okay. they're spending a lot of time together. But the two youngsters, Rowan and Hazel, because they're a lot younger, the younger hens are keeping their chicks away from the rest of the flock. So they're not mingling as much. Having said that, last night, Hazel suddenly had seven chicks, which oh, me in a bit of a panic because she should have had eight. Uh-huh. Now, Hugh said, you know, we searched everywhere. We couldn't find it. And Hugh said, look, it's going to be in one of the coops with one of the other hens. Mm-hmm. But don't pick them up because you're just going to disturb them all. So, you know, we just sort it out tomorrow morning. Next morning, Hazel suddenly had eight chicks again. <laughs> so that chick was away with Rowan or with Frankie yeah. or with Cinnamon. But the interesting thing is during the day, Frankie and Cinnamon's chicks do intermingle. But if Frankie's chick goes to Hazel or to Rowan, they will basically push it away. Oh, wow. Okay. Hairs. And uh-huh. if one of Rowan's comes to Cinnamon, she knows it's not one of hers and will push it away. It's kind of um, like young moms. The first time mom doesn't really realize, like, look, the mom network is your friend. They're like, oh, I can do this all, whatever. By the time the second kid comes, you're like, can you help me? Like, Yeah. But I was exactly. really shocked that the broody hens during the day will push the chicks away if it's not theirs. But then at night, clearly one of Hazel's, 
who wasn't being accepted by Frankie Cinema or Rowan, was accepted overnight. So the Boothens aren't going to let any of the, the chicks not yeah. be warm or be somewhere. It was dark and she was like, I don't know who this is, it's but whatever. Baby, but <laughs> it could yeah. have been. You know, oh, just come in. I've got yeah. plenty of room. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting one. But watching them now, my biggest anxiety is that they're roaming a little bit further. If I'm sat having a cup of coffee watching them, there's always one about 30 yards away from yes. the who sat uh-huh. having a break. Mum's wandered off and all of a sudden, after looking at a piece of grass intently or an ant or a people, <laughs> it will suddenly realise I'm on my own. And there's this crazy cheaping, which, of course, puts me on high alert. But yeah. It's OK, because 10 seconds later, they're running to the right hen. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, my anxiety levels are still a little bit high, but they're still better than they were in the first. That's good. That's good. But they're growing. Everybody's eating well. Everybody's doing well. And it's the road to get them to the grow out pullet stage, basically. They've got the first wing feathers. Yeah. Oh, experimenting with getting a little bit cute. Not much because. Clearly, the wings aren't big enough to actually yeah. little <laughs> bodies, but they're trying. That's so cute. So as subsequent hens hatch more chicks, do you find yeah. there's a big divide between the older and younger chicks, or do they start to mingle after a while? They will mingle when they get to about three or four weeks old. You know, it's a bit like there's a huge gap between a one-year-old and a three-year-old child. Yeah. You know, when you get to six and eight, it's it's less yep. of a divide. Right. So exactly. if they get to about three or four weeks old, it's not so much of a problem. But okay. the remaining three hens who are going to be hatching a first year broodies, they've never brooded before. So they will probably behave very much as Rowan and Hazel and you know walk around the periphery of the flock instead of uh-huh. actually being with the flock. So their chicks probably won't mingle very much anyway because the brood hens won't want them to. Okay. Thank God we have enough space for that to happen. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, you guys are the pros at breeding with broody hens. That is for sure. So everyone should go and check out your videos, both English Country Life and the Floof Lady on Instagram, because these videos are so fun. And there will be an episode on English Country Life to accompany this. So if you want to see the little chicks playing with their wings, tune into YouTube and watch the video. So, Miss Fiona, until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. So, I think it's time we move on to our main topic for the day. Okay. This is one that we've wanted to talk about from the beginning, and we feel like this is the time to do it because it's more of a season for this. So, yeah, you do tend to see this more in warmer weather. Yes. So, we're going to talk about Bumblefoot today, and everyone, I'm sure, in the chicken world, has heard of Bumblefoot. Yeah, it's one of those, if you're a new chicken owner, it's one of those scary words. You are you are afraid to hear about crop things and you're afraid to hear about Bumblefoot. Yes, exactly. It's really not that scary. We will break it down. We'll tell you exactly what it is. We'll tell you what we do with it. And tell you about all the different types because it's not just one. It can look a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, I mean, and there's definitely levels of severity. So right. you have something that can be mild and something that can be life-threatening and then can be fatal. Right. So it's something that you need to take measures to right. help with. So yeah. basically, bumblefoot is an abscess of the foot. Right. Okay. The Latin name is ulcerative pododermatitis. 
So what happens is on the pads, little cracks can happen in those pads. If bacteria can get in there, it can cause an infection. Right. So apparently birds get it. All the avian species can get bumblefoot. Rodents and rabbits can get it too. When you think about it, it's an animal that's going to be out and exposed to bacteria that can get in. Right. And their feet have to be very strong because they're not wearing shoes. Exactly. So if they scratch on anything, there can be little micro cuts. Right. Any kind of abrasion. It occurs a lot in heavy chickens because they're jumping down from a roost and they might get some abrasion that way or even a puncture wound. Exactly. Any of those things can lead to this. Splintery roosts can be a cause of this as well. Yeah, because they're sitting there and then they might get a little splinter and then Mm -hmm. they walk on the floor of the run in which they poop. I was going to say, let's face it, chickens are not walking in the cleanest places. No. Yeah. And then what happens is bacteria gets in there. So some of the classic bumblefoot presents as a black scab. This is the most classic on the bottom of the foot. Right, right. So if your chicken is starting to limp and be lame on one foot or both, yeah. number one thing to do is to pick up the chicken and look at the bottom of the foot. Exactly. I've found over the years that they may or may not be limping. If you do see a, a limping chicken, you're absolutely right. Pick it up and look at it. Yes. Sometimes bumblefoot is extremely painful. And in some ways, that's the easiest because you know that there's something wrong. You if they're lame, them, right. you're going to want to know why. Sometimes, though, they're not limping and you don't find it until you're doing something else. For instance, I was babysitting Drusilla while you were away. Yes, because of a leg injury. And Drusilla is a large cuckoo Moran's mm-hmm. hen. And I actually had Drusilla in up on a countertop, rebandaging her foot. Her whole leg, yeah. Right. And I saw a bumblefoot scab on the, on the bottom one. of the foot. Yeah, on the, the other foot, exactly. I think what happened with her was she had the injury, the torn ACL. The soft tissue injury, right. Right, on the one leg. And then she was putting more weight yeah. on that other foot to yeah. compensate. Yep. So when she did that, that made those microabrasions mm-hmm. and it got a little bit of bacteria. Right. Now, the interesting thing about Drusilla is that we soaked her, we took the scab off, and it was already healing underneath. Right. That is not always the case, but she was an easy case. She was bandaged. She had the ointment on, the silver ointment on. And by the time I had taken her home, we kept the bandage on for maybe a week. Until the skin was mostly healed all the way. Yeah. And then it was off and never came back. And she was probably the least severe case that you will see. Yes, exactly. We barely needed to do anything. My Ricardo Montalban was similar. He was limping a little bit. And now, and now, remember, Ricardo was 15 pounds. Yes. Enormous. So Put a lot of pressure on the feet. Yeah. So we brought him in for the treatment and we soaked the foot and we, we got the scab off once it was loose enough. And under the scab was pink, healthy, newly granulated skin. Right. So he got the same thing. We, we put some silver ointment on him, bandaged him up, gave him a couple of weeks. He was back to normal. Like you mentioned, the classic one is on the bottom, bottom of the foot, foot, sorry. But the toes can get it too. Exactly. Top and sides of the toes, the top of the foot. Yes. So we've had several people message us mm-hmm. pictures. Yeah. And they're classic bumblefoot, but they were on the toes. Right. It can look really weird. Sometimes you don't even see the black scab. All you see is a generalized big pink swelling. If you see swelling and then sometimes you see no swelling and you right. see the black scab. Um, between the toes. Yes. Just the area between the toes is really swollen. So what I do is every morning when they're coming out, I watch them come out. Yeah. See how they're walking. That's a good idea. Just mm-hmm. watch, make sure no one's limping around. That's how we found out that Drusilla had an injury. Right. When she came out instantly, it was not good. 
So this is one thing that you definitely need to do. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. If you find a case of bumblefoot, this is just our general care for the simplest cases. General care is to soak the foot twice a day in a warm Epsom salt solution until that scab is soft enough to come off. And then see what's under it. Exactly. And if the infection is local, confined to right under the scab, we clean it, we debride the wound of any exudate, then we treat it with silver ointment, we change the bandages daily, and we do that until the foot has healed and the scab is pretty much gone. And the chicken foot is kind of shaped to lend to a bandage, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because the way that the toes sit out, you can wrap the vet wrap in between the toes and it will keep the bandage secure on the foot. Exactly. You sort of do a figure eight around. You don't need to do an elaborate bandage. No, no, you don't. I've seen some posts where people have like almost stilts they're on and stuff. I've seen that recommended. And what they're doing is putting something so that the bird's foot is not down in the mud. Right. Exactly. We found that didn't work anyway. No. And so we ended up with a house rooster for a couple months. We'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep the foot out of the mud. So the thing is, if your foot's in the mud, you just have to change the bandage more often. And depending on how the wound is, I mean, if it required surgery or if it is a deep wound. You may just would- have to keep them in. That's hospital coop time. I wouldn't even want them in the mud. Exactly. If there's a lot of mud, you can always opt just to keep them in a a pop-up in a hospital coop run for a while until it's better and better enough and the outside's better enough that they can go out. The way I see it with the bandage or bumblefoot is the least amount you can put on that chicken is the best because they have to walk around with it. Exactly. And we use vet wrap. Yes. For our bandages, we cut them into strips and we generally use adhesive pads. You can cut them down to size. Yep. It works really well. And the vet wrap or called Coflex, it sticks to itself. Yeah. It's so fantastic. you put it right around the foot. And like I said, the foot itself lends to this bandage not falling off. Right. So a small bandage is going to make the chicken happier in the end. Yeah. You really just want enough to cover the wound and give it time to heal. Keep it clean. Exactly. Sometimes you'll see or hear someone saying that bumblefoot infections are always caused by Staphylococcus aureus. Working in small animal medicine, I can tell you that's not always true. No. Bacteria. There are all different kinds of bacteria. Absolutely. And in small animal medicine, along with chickens, you can do a culture and find out exactly which bacteria is growing so that you can treat with the antibiotics that are out there to kill that bacteria. I mean, the reality is there are a lot of different bacteria that can cause bumblefoot and yeast and fungus can also be present. So a culture is the way to go a lot of times. Absolutely. So Casper, my Swedish flower hen rooster, developed bumblefoot. And I have to say, it was a horrendous case of bumblefoot. So we'll go from Drew to Casper. Yeah, they're really the extremes. So Casper, we believe, had a puncture wound from wire. We're pretty sure this is what happened. So he had swelling. He did have a tiny scab, but the bottom of the foot looked pretty good and we really couldn't get a lot out of it. Right. So long story short, it got worse and worse. He went through one surgery. It didn't cure it. He had another much more elaborate surgery surgery where they really had to Debride it, open up a lot of the foot to get to the center of the infection, and they cultured it. And but here's cultured- the thing: you had a veterinarian. Yes, this. this is the thing, and we kind of don't really go one way or another. But working in small animal medicine and working in an animal hospital with surgery, you have to go to a vet for surgery. Yes. So we had the culture done for Casper, and it came back with three different bacteria plus Candida yeast. Okay. So that's four different things. So what happens is when you get that lab report back. It lists the type of bacteria, and then it lists the antibiotics that this bacteria is right. sensitive to. Yep. It's called so, a culture and sensitivity. Yeah. 
So if you're assuming that everything is Staphylococcus aureus, you aren't necessarily treating that chicken for what they need. That's why you do a culture. Exactly. And you do cultures on ears, you do cultures on anything that mm-hmm. might have a bacteria in it so that you can, like I said, pick the right antibiotic. It's done all the time right. by a veterinarian, small animal medicine. And this can help save your bird. It can tell you what to use topically as well as internally. Oral. Yeah, yeah, you might need an oral antibiotic. One thing I also learned is that neosporin or triple antibiotic ointments, they may do nothing depending on that bacteria. They're actually not recommended for chickens. They're not, not really. No. So this is one of the reasons, and we have this on our first aid kit. This is one of the reasons we use silver ointment on minor cases. Actually, even on the severe cases, I it used it. It doesn't have it. And the thing is, also, if you get a triple antibiotic ointment plus a painkiller, that can be harmful to your ticket. Right. The painkiller right. medicine that's in there can be harmful. Yeah. So we highly recommend using the silver ointment. Most bacteria are sensitive to it, even when they've developed a resistance to antibiotics, and it's completely chicken safe. Yes. So that is our go-to. So back to the question of surgery. Like you pointed out, my veterinarian did Casper surgery yes. in a sterile environment with pain medicine. He shot him up with a local. Yes. On top of everything else, left pain medicine for him after the surgery. And here's the thing. If you took your chicken to a, an avian vet, that surgery would be done in a sterile OR. Yes. Your chicken would be anesthetized so that they would not be feeling any of it. You have way less of a chance of anything else getting in there while it's open. That's right. why you go into a sterile OR. And I realize a lot of people want to try to treat this at home, and that's fine for a minor case. Yeah. But some of these cases absolutely need a doctor's care. I mean, Casper's was, and I'm a very experienced chicken keeper. Yeah. Casper's bumblefoot was incredibly bad. I think we probably would have lost him without a veterinarian's care. Yeah. I mean, there has to be a time, and we talked about this all the time. When as you have chickens longer and longer, you realize there is a time to treat yourself and then a time to seek assistance. Absolutely. And you know when that comes, it's with any animal, with yourself, you know, like if you have to go to the doctor yourself. The more experience you gain, the more you have the instinct to know when it's the right time. Yeah. And when it's safe to do something yourself or when don't even attempt it. It's not safe. The thing with bumblefoot is it starts off as a localized infection, but it can move into the bone. Yeah. It can move into the bloodstream. It can turn the animal septic. Septic. Yeah. And they can die from that. So this is a place where we strongly feel that some veterinary intervention can and will save your bird. I mean, we have the two classic examples. Drusilla was staying with you. Got it. We put ointment on her and she bandaged, we bandaged at the foot. It was better within two weeks. Yes. Exactly. And then we have your Casper who had to have surgery, had to have debridements, had to have cultures, had to have antibiotics. And months and months of aftercare. When I say months, it was the better part of a year. Yeah. So it's like know when to pull the trigger to go to the vets. And Mm -hmm. as you get more experienced, this comes a little easier to you. Right. I mean, I will say that over the years, I've heard a few people who have done some cutting on their chickens and had a successful surgery, but I've heard far more who have lost their chickens. Let's put it this way. I was a veterinary technician in small animal practice for 15 years. I would not cut my own chicken. I wouldn't unless there was the unless I was emergency. There. Unless I was desperate. I mean, there, there are very few things that would make me do this. I would go to the vet. You know what I mean? Like, I unless mean, I was like in the wild and I couldn't get anywhere. Well, right, right. I mean, I wouldn't do surgery on a person. No. I'm not qualified to do surgery on an animal. And I've actually have done some things in sterile environments at work with a veterinarian next to me. Right. 
there's the reason why they went to school for so long and trained to do these things. Right. Exactly. So it's like if you're going to treat it topically and it's going to heal in a few days or a week or two, then that's great. Right. But if there's any cutting involved, please go to the veterinarian. I will say in Casper's case, as a, again, it took us the better part of a year to get it under control. And that's um, a long time. It is. And he has a lot of scar tissue in that foot because he had multiple surgeries. But his quality of life is pretty nice. And he's a happy rooster. Yeah. I mean, so, in the end, you healed him by doing all the right things. Yeah. It was a lot of work. And I really had to learn how to debride that kind of a wound. There was a learning curve there. But, you know, I worked with the vet. We worked together and did great. The other thing I want to bring up is that chickens absolutely do feel pain. Yeah. So if you're putting a scalpel to a chicken, it is feeling the pain. of They have nerves. It. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm so for taking them to the vet and getting mm -hmm. them anesthetized so that they don't feel it. Right. And generally, the vet can give you chicken appropriate pain medication afterwards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've given it to some of my chickens for different things that they've had to go in for. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you can get pain medicine. They're knocked out. They have no recollection of this. They wake up and their foot is bandage. Hopefully on the mend, right? It's on the mend. They're not feeling it. Again, as we talked about the culture, if you work with a veterinarian, they're going to be able to prescribe the appropriate antibiotics Definitely. to treat that particular bacteria. So we're talking about what happens if it happens, but let's talk about preventing it. There yes. are a few things that we can mm -hmm. do to try to prevent these things from happening. Right. So the big birds try to get lower purchase for them. So they're not jumping down with so much force that saves their feet from some of that abrasion. Also, you can clean the roosting bars. Yep. And that way, there won't be any bacteria that could potentially get into a micro cut. Yes. Keeping the roosting bars clean. We talk about, I use a vinegar solution. Yeah, that works Just really well. Just plain vinegar with uh, some cinnamon sticks and some orange peels in it for a week or two. And then I just let it sit for a few weeks on the counter. And then I put it in my spray bottle. Mm -hmm. Works great. Clean off the roosting bars. I just bought some orange essential oil to put yeah. in my vinegar. Yeah. yeah. Vinegar is really interesting. It's one of the natural disinfectants, and it doesn't kill 100% of bacteria, but it kills a lot. If you're cleaning it off at least once a week when you clean out your coops, uh -huh. you're getting that poop that's on their feet that when they sit up right, there, right. it's less chance of it going back in the system. So that can definitely help. I give them a deep scrub probably twice a year. Yeah. And the other thing I do once a year is I get out my sander and I actually sand them. I've actually used, before I even put it in, heavy duty paint and covered it so yeah. that I could clean it well. Uh -huh. And I always run my hand over it and just make sure there's nothing yeah. that's up there. But that's a good suggestion to sand it. And really keep an eye on their environment. We think Casper got this puncture wound from some partially buried old rusty chicken wire. Yeah. And it can happen. The yeah. best of us can miss something that's sitting out there yep. and they get cut. That's no problem. Just take care of it as soon as you see it. Yeah. Start with the bandage. Start with the ointment. If it doesn't work within a few days, call the vet. Right. So there's lots of stuff that you can do. So that's stuff you can prevent. If it's anything other than the simple bumblefoot, which, yes, you can absolutely treat yourself. Yes, definitely. But if it's anything complex where there is a danger that you're going to lose this chicken because of sepsis or bone infection, try to find a vet. If you can't find a vet, message us. We will do our best to help you find oh, a vet. yeah. We'll definitely help you try to find a vet in your area. Message us from wherever you are. We've said this multiple times. We are lucky to have multiple poultry vets in our close area. Yes. If you are not that lucky, please message us and we will help you. Yeah, absolutely. We have a special guest that we are bringing on today and her name is Annie Wing. She is from Strong Animal Chicken Essentials. 
We love these products. Yes. And you will too. And we'd like to bring you that interview now. So here she is. Enjoy. Welcome, Annie. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for being here and talking with us. And you have a little friend there. I went out to the coop because I told the girls this morning that we have a big day today and <laughs> Tinkerbell decided she wanted to come along. So she is so cute. She's really cute. Tinkerbell's a little Bill Fleur Duclay. She is adorable. We love those feather legged chickens and she's bearded too. We love the bearded ladies. Oh my too. goodness. I say the more unusual the chicken, the cuter the chicken often. Yeah. So, she's so cute. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, anyhow, or why did you start keeping chickens? Well, I started to do it because we had a young family. We started about 14 years ago. And I actually got to thinking, man, we are what we eat, right? And so we kind of wanted to take a more natural approach in what we fed our kids and all of the other things, even us, my husband, Doug, and I. And so we thought, well, it would be fun to raise backyard chickens. We live on an acreage. And we have the space, so why not give it a shot? So that's how we initially entered the backyard chicken world. Okay, that's awesome. So right now, how many do you have and what breeds do you have? When I started back up, because we took a little break, I told my boss when he said, well, do you want more chickens? Do you want to do this gig? And I'm like, you know, if I do, I'll have no more than six, period. Like it was a hard number for me, like no more than six. Well, I now have 40. (laughs) it's like an addiction isn't it you guys know i started with four and now i'm up to 19 and i was like yeah we're not we're not getting any more than four 19 chickens later yeah i have no comment (laughs) (laughs) well how many do you have i currently have 22 right now but there are additions so tell us about the breeds you have Well, I actually went out to the coop this morning and took notes because I have so many different breeds and um, color variations that I was like, I need to go write this down because I know they're going to ask me this. I have Bard Rocks, Jersey Giants, Buff Brahma Bantams. I have Easter Eggers. I have one Barnavelder, two Calico Princess. I have Polish Chickens. I have one Black Copper Silkies, Cream Leg Bar, Lavender Orpingtons, a Prairie Bluebell. French wheat and Moran, and then of course Tinkerbell, my Mill Flora de Clay. I have Olive Eggers, Brahmas, and two Mystic Onyxes. Those are some new ones I got this year. How fast did this grow, this family of chickens? I stuck up about two and a half years ago. And In two and a half um, years. Wow. So I started with 10. <laughs> I know. I know. But here's my thought, you guys. If I was going to do my job really well, I needed to teach people how to integrate their flocks, you know, when you raise babies and all of those things, because there's really important steps in doing that. And then also, I was really kind of after egg color variation. Mm -hmm. I didn't really care about that. When I first started back up, I was just like, just get me some nice chickens. I just Mm -hmm. want the nice ones that you can sit and cuddle and hold, you know? Yes. Then I started seeing all these incredible pictures on Instagram of egg colors. And I'm like, well, why didn't I do that? So yeah, here we are. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, the egg colors are really, really nice. We're kind of heritage breed girls, though, and we love a lot of your breeds just because they're sweet and cuddly chickens. Yeah, definitely. And my chickens, all of them except for three, love to be held and cuddled. So nice. clearly I spend a lot of time out in the coop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's we great. all do. My husband yeah. always says, you're out in the coop more than you're in the house. I'm like, well, <laughs> they need us. 
So out of all of those breeds, do you have one favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite breed. I don't know if I could pick one, but my favorite chicken is happy. She's the reason that I have 40 chickens. I blame her because she is so wonderful. Even as a little chick, I would go out to the barn and she'd jump up on the brooder ledge before I had it covered. Right. And she'd just sit right next to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, you make me so happy. And that's why (laughs) I'm happy. Yeah, that's great. Barred rocks are a great chicken. I have three of them and they're just very curious and want to be right at your feet and want to be right there with what you're doing all the time. They're an awesome breed. And those eggs, they're beautiful color, like a little more pinky than brown. Really, really pretty. So what's your favorite thing about keeping chickens? Definitely just the time out in the coop with them. It's therapeutic for me. It's relaxing. I love to just watch them. I feel like an old Sunday driver. Yeah. (laughs) I just love to see their personalities. You know, everybody seems so shocked when they hear that chickens have personalities. They are. It's hilarious. so, it yeah. is. We call it chicken TV and I call it my Zen time just to go out yeah. because they're always moving. They're always doing something. They're not asking anything from us. They're just doing their own thing and you can just relax and watch them. For sure. It sounds like you have an amazing flock, but we're going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to ask you to tell us about the business. Relco actually started 50 years ago and wow. strong animals is a branch of Relco. So, and under the strong animals, there are other branches and one of them is the chicken essentials. So a few years back, the backyard chicken industry is just like exploded, especially in the last couple of years. So um, man, you throw in a pandemic and everybody thinks they want to live off the land. So that's been an incredible yet hard thing to go through. So that's kind of where the strong animals, chicken essentials came from is actually all the way back 50 years ago. My grandpa started Relco, my grandma and grandpa. That's amazing. A lot of people don't know that. I don't say that a lot on the social media platform. I've had people ask me, how can you believe so much in these products? And I actually had my first sick chicken three weeks ago. And man, you guys, she is back to her normal self and just good fine. So it's not for me, it's not just family. These products actually work. So there's also yeah. a big strong movement right now within essential oils and herbs and using them for preventative measures to help keep them healthy. The big companies that do other like oregano is they use more as an antibiotic and different things like that. But your treats, what I was impressed with with the treats, same with you, is it's packed full of everything that is good for them Yeah, in a treat form. So I grow marigolds just for our flock to feed them. So me too. Yeah. Yeah. And the oyster shells, it's added into the treat and they're not even knowing that they're getting it and they love it. We're talking about the Strong Animals Golden Grays. The Golden Grays is amazing. Which really are fantastic. There are grains, flax meal oyster shell, yeah, marigold petals. It's really good stuff. I put some down and my hens took, I don't know, five seconds to check it out and then head down. Yeah. That's always the test. Every single <laughs> hen was head down. So you guys oh, can go see ahead. my chickens devouring golden grays <laughs> on Instagram. I thought they were going to jump me when I tried to leave <laughs> to grab the bag. So the golden grays focuses on eggshell quality, the yolk, just the health of the egg. And the chickens think it's wonderful, as you know. Yes. yes. We have another treat called Happy Tract, and that actually focuses on the digestive system of the chicken. Nice. 
Oh, and what is in that tree? Multigrains. And Happy Tract actually has prebiotics in it, cracked corn and sunflower seeds. It also is infused with cinnamon, thyme, and oregano essential oils. Nice. That's fantastic. We're going to have to get some of that. That looks awesome. Happy Tract. T-R-A-C-T as a Happy Tract. Digestive Tract. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the treats are kind of a spinoff of our, we have a baby chick care kit. It's very affordable. And so when you bring your baby chicks home, you buy this little kit and you get chick elixir, which is just like chicken elixir. So it's just like a smaller bottle. And then you have a small box of Coop Recuperate, which we can talk about. It's probably the one product I never run out of. Okay. Um, And then it has a product in there called First Peep, which has all of those good gut and immunity boosters in it. And it gets your baby chick eating and doing all the things it needs to do right away. So treats are kind of a spinoff of those. So you can use them as like a hand treat or you can sprinkle it on their food or throw it on the ground as scratch, however you want to use them. Yeah. Your favorite product is? I have always said Coop Recuperate because I can go sit on the floor of my coop. All right. I put a bag down, you know, so I don't sit in the coop. I walk out smelling like eucalyptus and lemongrass instead of chicken poop. Yeah. Okay? It smells it, really it's good. Changed, it's changed how I've spent time with my chickens for sure. But what it does is it just helps reduce the, the odor, the moisture, the ammonia smell, and it lengthens the life of your bedding. It makes incredible compost after that. So oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago, I had my first sick chicken. And I've never had a sick chicken with these products. And I think what happened is they were out free ranging in the yard Mm -hmm. because we had to move the coop because, you know, with 40 chickens, I had to have a bigger setup. Surprise. surprise. So I think what happened for a couple of days, they weren't penned in or in their run. And so they just free range. So I'm not sure. It was one of my little silkies. Her name was nugget. It's my husband's chicken. Actually went out and I saw her up against the wall in the coop. And I'm like, Oh, nugget, what's the matter? And she was just kind of puffed up. And I went over to pick her up and I thought, Oh my goodness. She was so bloated. And I oh. thought, oh no, oh no, you know, like all, she yeah. egg bound, but she wasn't, I watched her poop. I separated her, you know, all the things, well, man, maybe it's water belly and you know, all this stuff. And it was a weekend. So I didn't call our staff veterinarian or nutritionist. Of course, I just tried to figure it out on my own because, because I have access to, I'm not a professional you guys. I'm right. going to throw that out, but I have access to top shelf professionals. So I thought, well, I'm going to separate her and I'm going to start giving her flock fixer because flock fixer has the prebiotics, but also the probiotics and the electrolytes and the vitamins. And by day three, I thought, huh, she's still pretty slow. I'm not sure how this is going to end. By day five, I thought, wow, I think that she's getting better. And by day seven, she was back to her normal self. So was it her crop that felt bloated to you? She had a little bit of sour crop. So I like yeah. got that. I don't know if you've ever done that, that is so gross. Um, got that out, but I just gave her flock fixer for that amount of time. Okay. She's running around the yard, but you Go know, ahead. essential oils act a lot like antibiotics, just more natural. You know, they got the phytonutrients and things like that. So I attribute her getting better to flock fixer. So did you give anything else to help her through that? Just the flock fixer and that was all? That's it. And separated her for seven days? I separated her for till day five until I noticed like, no, she's definitely better. And she wanted to be with the other girls and nobody else was getting anything remotely close to anything. And she felt less bloated at that point. She felt less bloated at that point also. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. That's amazing. That's really, really good. By day seven, she was running around like normal energy. So I've always believed in the product. Yeah. Because for me, it was like, of course, I tell people about these things all the time, but realize this is going to help. Like this is actually going to work for this situation. I mean, you can't go wrong with essential oils um, and for prevention, for preventing even things from happening. That is, you know, the best thing to use. We really, really like the elixir product because we really like to go like maybe once a month. We'll we'll treat in the water for a week with with a product like the elixir that's uh, an oregano oil base. And we feel like it goes a really long way towards prevention of things like sauerkraut. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I've been doing this for two and a half years with these products and I haven't had any trouble. I haven't lost one chicken to anything. I think a lot of backyard chicken keepers want to use oregano oil in their flocks, but they don't know right. how, because if it's too much, it can be really dangerous. But yes, yes. you don't you want know, to give too much. Exactly. My husband always says Texas style, but not in the case of oregano, right? right. No, it can burn. Um, yeah. So, but that's, what's so great about these products is that these teams of really smart people have formulated all of these products so you can safely use them every day for the health of your flock. We've been using essential oils in the Relco products for 20 to 30 years. So it's not new to us, but we launched the strong animal line two and a half years ago. Okay. So they've been using this in, you know, big farm settings for years and years. The whole marketing and launch of strong animals, chicken essentials started about two and a half, three years ago. Okay. For the backyard chicken farmer who wants to get all those healthy things for their chickens, can you tell us where they can find your product? I mean, I would love to push local. So your local farm supply store, and if they don't have them, ask them to get it. And you can also get our products on Amazon. So if you want to go that route, they'll be shipped right to your door. If you want to learn more about our products, I do write a weekly blog. I can link right to your products on Amazon. They can go through our storefront. I will put a link to your blog in our show notes and also your Instagram account. You can get to the blog through your Instagram account as well. We'll give everyone their pathway straight to you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so thankful for techie people because I'm not. (laughs) I'm not techie. This one is. I'm I'm moderately techie. Moderately techie. (laughs) I'm not techie at all. (laughs) So our last question for you. We have a million questions because we love these products so much. I mean, seriously, the Coop Refresh, that bright lemongrass smell. I used it in two of my Coops last night that were maybe a day or two overdue for cleaning. And it just smelled beautiful. But our question for you is, do you have any projects or new things coming up in the near future? Yes, we do. And I'm so excited about it. Um, I can't say too much about it. But what I'll give you is that it's like... Uh, neosporin for chicken owies. Oh, nice. Something along those lines. That sounds fantastic. It's going to be really, really, really good. So we're excited. Okay. So we talked to Annie about her chickens and about her amazing essential oil products. Now it's time to talk to Annie about some. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to crack some eggs. Cracking the eggs. Woohoo. So Annie, I was scouting your blog. And I mm-hmm. discovered that you also develop recipes and yeah. we asked you to bring one along. So tell us what recipe we're sharing today. Well, this is my disclaimer. 
I am not a good cook. Okay. (laughs) So all of the recipes I put on my blog are for moms or people like me who don't love to cook, but they're just so easy and they're so good. So we're going to talk about Annie's ultimate egg burger. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yes. It's so good. And what a perfect recipe for, you know, kicking off summer is because everybody's grilling in the backyard. So you take a hamburger patty, you grill it. I fry up eggs and then I top the burger patty with cheese, a fried egg, and then I put a layer of peanut butter on there. Don't forget the peanut butter. Nice. You have to try it. So I have lunch with my grandma. So one of the founders of Ralco every Thursday, and we go to this little small joint in the town that she lives. And we have this burger every Thursday. Try the burger because it is so, so good. You know, what we like about your recipe is we always talk about recipes that you can make your own and take this recipe and kind of make it your own. You can use any kind of hamburger patty. So I don't eat beef, but I eat turkey patties. Holly Ann is vegetarian, so she can do the Impossible Burger and just make it your own, however you want to do it. It sounds fantastic. We're definitely going to try it. It sounds really, really good and versatile for everybody with any kind of dietary need. That's right. Because if if you're on keto or something, just skip the bun. That's what I do half the time. I think the peanut butter yeah. sounds amazing. It sort of reminds me of like a burger with peanut sauce. Yeah. Or that. anything Thai, like a little Thai. Exactly. Yeah. I peanut sauce with everything is yeah. good. So do you like your fried eggs I firm agree. or do you like a runnier yolk? I like mine softer. I like it when it's all ooey gooey and messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. I'm the opposite. That. That's how my grandma is. She wants it very firm and, yeah. and, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it has been such a treat. So fun talking to you, Annie, today. Oh, thank and you so much. Our listeners have such a treat listening. And please, everybody, do yourselves a favor. Check out these Strong Animal Chicken Essential products. Yeah, they really are fantastic. They're amazing. And your chickens will love them. And they're healthy. And you can feel good about the treats. The That's treats. the number one thing. The treats are really remarkable in that the chickens love them. And they're good for them. Really good for them. They're so, amazing. Yeah. And if you want your coop to smell fresher. Yes, that lemongrass smell is really nice. You can't go wrong. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. And you'll have to come back and explain the new product when it comes out. Yes. I would love to come back. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you, Annie, so much for coming on. It was such a great interview with her. And thank you all the folks at Strong Animals Chicken Essentials. We really had a great time testing the products. and We really appreciate it. We love these products. They're amazing. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and check them out. Okay, should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, our breed spotlight is a really cool chicken, the Icelandic. Oh, yeah. Heritage breed. We're going to be talking about the evolution of the chicken. I have been really looking forward to this Mm -hmm. one. Yeah, it's fascinating. Our recipe is a seasonal cherry clafouti. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Our retail therapy is a book review of a book that's simply called Chickens. Yay, we've been reading it. It's a great book. We can't wait to tell you all about it. So... Before we get out of here, what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening.